it is an excellent first step. Like it's, it's historic. It's a great first step for the right to repair. Informing consumers on the repairability of a product that is really, really big. It's just that the way it's currently done may not be as ambitious as it sounds on paper. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. In this month's episode of the Restart Project podcast, we're taking a deep dive into some recently introduced French legislation that could have major influence on the future of sustainable policy on a larger scale. The French Repairability Index came into effect on January the 1st of this year and aims to inform consumers on, as its name suggests, the repairability of their products and to pressure manufacturers to make their products more repairable in turn. In this episode, Chloe Mikolajak from the European Right to Repair returns to the show. Mikolajak recently hosted a webinar about the index, and we'll hear some clips from that webinar featuring Ernestas Odiravas from ECOS, which stands for the European Environmental Citizens Organization for Standardization. Jean-Paul Vonter from the French Ministry of Ecology and Laetitia Vassour from HOP, which stands for Hop de l'Essence Programme. And you can find the full webinar recording at repair.eu. So my name is Chloe Mikolajak. I work as a campaigner for the Right to Repair campaign, which is a coalition of 40 organizations based in 15 European countries that are fighting for a universal right to repair, both at European but also at national level. What is the French Repair Index? The French Repair Index is an index, as its name says it. It's a grade that can be found on five categories of product to share with consumers how repairable these products are. So the objective of the index is to encourage consumers to choose more repairable products and to encourage manufacturers to improve the repairability of their products. And it's part of a law that was adopted in France, and it's supposed to be implemented since the 1st of January 2021. But because the law was just published at the very, very end of 2020, for a lot of products, it's not available yet and probably won't be until later in 2021. France has been quite ahead on quite a few of these issues in the past few years. So for instance, they already have a law against planned obsolescence. And in that context, what happened is that they adopted a legislation which is called the French Anti-Waste Bill for a Circular Economy. And as part of this anti-waste bill, which was addressing different issues, there was a mandatory repairability index for several products. So that's kind of how this repair index came to be. It was part of a largest legislation against waste, but e-waste in particular and so electronic products were definitely a key target for the French government. So this is kind of how the index happened. And what products does it target and why does it target them? So it targets five categories of products, smartphones, laptops, televisions, washing machines and lawn mowers. 
And the reason it targets these products is because they are the most iconic, I would say, consumer products, electronic products that consumers use the most. So it's it's a good way to test the index and some of the most sold products before expanding it to different products. And does it reflect the aims of right to repair on a base level? Yes, because... Out of the three pillars of right to repair, at least in Europe, the third one is informed consumers. So we want consumers to be aware of how repairable a product is at the moment of purchase, because we do believe that this will influence the choice of a consumer. So at the base level, absolutely, it does reflect the right to repair demands. But then it gets a little bit tricky as there are quite a few loopholes in the current version of the French index. Yeah, because the media has made a lot of France's effort to stop planned obsolescence and the fact that they are the first country to introduce this index. Is there a special context or reason surrounding why France is leading on these issues? I think France has been ahead for quite a bit of time on these issues. So this issue of planned obsolescence and this issue of waste has been in the forefront for quite a while and it has been a priority for the government. I think it's both a mix of context, historic context for the past few months and few years but also the work of a team of politicians that really wanted to do something to address this issue of waste, and in particular e-waste. It has been a long fight to get to this point for the Right to Repair campaign and other organisations working towards more sustainable product policy in Europe. For some more context, here is a clip from Ernestas Oldiravas speaking at the webinar. Oldiravas is the programme manager for the energy and climate team at ECOS, or the European Environmental Citizens Organisation for Standardisation, which is an international NGO advocating for environmentally friendly technical standards, policies and laws it's perhaps a good idea to spend a quick moment discussing the broader context and why we are discussing and advocating for right to repair as NGOs in Europe. As it happens, that really is not something that is just a nice to have, but indeed a pressing priority. E-waste is the fastest growing waste stream in the world. Its growth rates are three times faster than the world's population. As it happens in Europe, we have a number of countries that are leading in e-waste figures with overall over 15 kilograms of e-waste being generated per person in Europe every year. And we know that we only collect some 38% of that to recycle. And then the actual recycling rates are, of course, much lower than that still. We also know that, let's say, our consumption of digital devices weighs heavily not only on resources that we consume, but also on the climate. The World Economic Forum has estimated that by 2040, the use and production of electronics is expected to be responsible for 14% of total greenhouse gas emissions. And mitigating those impacts requires us to reduce our consumption, but also significantly increase the amount of products that we reuse, that we repair and remanufacture. And that should indeed become the norm in Europe and beyond. 
the scale of the problem has increasingly been recognized in Europe as it happens. And there is increasing support for right to repair across Europe in various national strategies, including France, but also by the EU institutions. The right to repair has been for the first time recognized as a possible tool to address our increasing consumption of, and impacts of digital devices. All this to say that number of wide-ranging promises have been made in strategy documents, and so there's much to be hopeful about. But of course, the devil will lie in the detail. How does the rating system of the index actually work? There is no better person to explain this than Jean-Paul Vontaire himself. Vontaire has worked at the French Ministry of Sustainable Development for 29 years and was heavily involved in developing the rating system and the legislation itself as part of the Ministry of Ecological Transition. Here he is explaining the details. So this is the most important part, practically speaking, the rating detail. These are the 13 basic scores according to the 13 sub-criteria and uh, it comes out under five criteria and finally under the reparability index. This, by the law, should be made available to the consumer by the seller in the shop or online and also made available to any requester by the producer. So this is a twofold obligation. The super detail of the criteria are not supposed to be public. The producer could not stand more transparency. So they need to come out publicly with the 13 values for the 13 sub-criteria. This is the only sentence which is written in red because this is the operational aspect of this system. The obligation for the producer is, is to transmit the information to the seller. Comparison is in the hands of the consumers. The index will give products a score out of 10. What kind of criteria will they use in terms of thinking of that rating system? So there are five criteria. The first four are common for all the products categories. And the fifth one is product specific. So the first one is documentation. So the availability of the documentation. The second one is disassembly, how easy or not easy it is to disassemble a product. The third one is the availability of spare parts. Are they available? And if so, how long is it going to take, for instance, for spare parts to arrive to the person who ordered them? The fourth one is the price of spare parts. So the more expensive the spare parts are, the lower the grade will be. And the fifth one is product specific. So for instance, for products such as smartphones, laptops and TVs, this could include software aspects. And what is the key information that consumers will get? So once these four criteria are calculated, that's the final grade. So essentially what consumers will see is a repair index on the side of a product or if it's online, it will be, I don't know, below the product. 
and it will use a specific logo. There will be a color corresponding to the level of repairability. And so this is the information consumers will see. And if they actually want to know more, they can have access to the detail of the grading. They can ask to see that. So it should be available to consumers. But the thing is, the overview that consumers can access, for instance, while it does provide transparency on the score and the different criteria, what it does not provide is the individual parameters for the calculation. So for instance, it will say the availability of spare parts in general, but it won't say which spare part is offered to which stakeholder for how long. So the level of detail isn't as transparent as we could expect it to be. This problem of transparency did not go unnoticed by France's consumer rights groups. Laetitia Vassour is the co-founder and managing director of Hop de l'Essence Programme, or in English, Stop Planned Obsolescence, an organisation which has worked extensively on the French index. Vassour went into more depth about how the lack of transparency from manufacturers could lead to misleading information for consumers about the true repairability of products. The other big problem for us right now is transparency. For example, you have the delay to get a spear piece when you ask for it. And if this delay is short, you have good grade as a manufacturer. If you have a long delay or you don't have the spare piece, you have a very bad grade, right? So here you can see, for example, seven, eight, nine, okay. But how long is this delay? For the consumer, it's not clear. You don't know if it's one day, two day. You have a grade. You don't know what it means. So at the end, it will be really difficult for the consumer to claim for the right. He will not be able to know what does it mean really in the real life. So the transparency is really tricky here. And for organizations like OP or iFixit, I guess we have more detail. We are able to try to understand what it means. But for the common consumer, it will be really difficult. So I am afraid they will not be able to claim for their right of reparability easily. And at the end, maybe the manufacturer can hide this grade and not telling the truth. So here is a big challenge for the index. Another aspect of the index which worries civil society is that the scores are compiled by manufacturers without any formal check from third parties. So a self-declaration system, we say frankly, this will raise some kind of doubts or controversy, but it's very common when you inform the consumer, it's mostly self-declaration and also the respect of the Safety regulation is also self-declared. People are not aware, but many, many systems are self-declaration systems. And in that case, it comes under the control and sanctions of the public authorities. But not only. The consumers can download the calculation tools and more or less check by themselves and challenge the producer if they think something is wrong. 
The other big challenge will be the control. As you know, this knot is uh, self-made by the manufacturer. Of course, the score and the work we have done with the minister is really good quality and the criteria are strict. It's quite objective. But at the end, it's the manufacturer who gives the knot. So we need to have a big control of what they say to control the information with the reality. We know that the French government doesn't have enough resources to, to do this for all products. So we claim for collaborative control, for citizen control. And for example, we start to do it with the platform Produit Durable in French. We give uh, advice uh, and ranking of the durability and reparability thanks to reparators or thanks to consumers that give feedback on their product. We hope that we can help to give collaborative control and to point uh, the brands that will not be fair play with the declaration of a fair index. And I think this will be a very big challenge to give a good pressure that will uh, oblige in some way the brands to be fair in this declaration. And is there an issue with leaving the rating down to the manufacturers? Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is. There is an issue because at the end of the day, if you leave the grading to manufacturers and because it's complicated to have that full transparency, they can answer to some criteria, but that will be potentially either hard to verify or there's a risk that they could kind of trick the system. Also, the fact that it's up to French market surveillance authorities to check whether products comply. But the problem is there are clear concerns that these authorities might not have the resources to check this extensively. So it's kind of up at the end of the day to consumers and consumer protection agencies and you know the civil society in general to verify this index, but there aren't any resources to do so. So some of them might do it if they do have the resources to check, but there won't be a large-scale effort to check the index. So that means that some manufacturers could really try to cheat it to get better grades and then probably get more consumers to buy their products, even though they're not as repairable as they should be. There's also a concern that the index might be too generous with products in some cases. If I speak now about the limits, I would say that I am afraid that if it's too easy to get some point, we can be afraid that the people don't trust the index. If they get uh, this good grade because it was just too easy to get some point, we don't tackle the main objective. So it's really important to don't be too easy to give a good grade. And also to be able to differentiate that at the end, we don't have all products between seven and eight because it will be a problem. And another example is the criteria on software, for instance. It's very easy to get the points on this criteria, which is essentially two points already won for not really making any particular efforts. So between the self-grading, the fact that some points are really easy to have and the fact that there is no currently in place surveillance mechanism, there are several loopholes that could make this index not as good as it should have been on paper. So while it's a great first step... For sure. The fact that there are so many loopholes means that if we are to push for a similar repair index at the EU level, which we are planning on doing, these loopholes need to be addressed first. 
Right. Yeah. It was kind of obvious to me that one of the issues would be that if companies and manufacturers are the ones making these decisions, there's going to be biases that they already have. And they have kind of self-interested reasons to look better than maybe they are. Exactly. I hadn't really thought about the other element of like people not having the resources, small companies, small organizations, just not having the, the resources to do it. Yeah. And just another example. So far, we've seen some of these grades, this index and some big manufacturers may have or end up having the same grades as Fairphone, for instance, which is clearly a very repairable phone just because they're smaller. So they don't have the same ability to send spare parts as quickly to the people who request it, whether it's an independent repairer or a consumer. So the big companies, because they do have that ability, they are able to send these spare parts faster. And so they get the points where Fairphone might not get the point even though the final product is way more repairable. So there are a lot of subtleties that mean that some big, big, big manufacturers that don't necessarily have a full range of very repairable product could have high grades. So it's a bit weird when you look at it. What do you hope will be done on a European level following on from what's happening in France? So we are pushing for an EU-wide repair index because that will cover, of course, more countries. And it's interesting because the fact that this French repair index happened now when there are discussions at EU level about an EU-wide repair index means that potentially we can highlight these issues and we can highlight these loopholes and hope that the future European one will be potentially a bit stricter. And we see this from the EU institution. There is a strong support for the rate repair in general and there is a strong support from at least two of the institutions, which are the Parliament and the EU Council for a Repairability Index, they specifically call for one. We do believe that if it, there is a strong political will, which we hope there will be, there could be a repairability score for at least a few categories of products. So it could be smartphones, tablets and computers as early as 2023, which could be a game changer as long as once again, it's done right, which is the key element here. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like if, if you kind of roll it out and it's not really holding people to account, it just becomes a kind of smoke screen in some ways, doesn't it? So it's like it needs to be done right yeah. as well as done everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> It is an excellent first step like it's it's historic it's a great first step for the right to repair informing consumers on the repairability of a product that is really really big it's just that the way it's currently done may not be as ambitious as it sounds on paper so i think that's that's the main risk there definitely needs to be i think some changes first but i think it's interesting that it first happened in france because we now can see what is going well what is going less well and when we push for an eu-wide repair index we can have that experience and we can highlight the loopholes and what needs to be addressed so i think that's a very good opportunity because we really think that if done well at the EU level, this could have a big impact for consumers all across Europe and also a big impact for repair and encourage repair. Right. Looking even further than that, if it's adopted Europe wide, then that kind of also maybe hopefully encourages other blocks of the world to kind of consider doing the same thing as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same with a lot of EU legislation. What we are hoping is that if these kind of things are adopted at EU level and that encourage manufacturers to make more repairable products, you know, because they want to have better grades at the end of the day, what we are hoping is that it 
will influence the global level. That's definitely the hope. Once again, with a lot of issues, not just repairability, legislation is, is key to address this because we've seen it in the past. It's very difficult for the market to self-regulate itself. So without legislation, we're not really seeing that many changes. And it's good to hear that there is support at the EU level, at least from the European Parliament. There was a vote two days ago where the MEPs called once again for a right to repair, once again for ambitious measures to extend the life of products. So it's really encouraging to see the support from this EU institution. And now, essentially, we need the European Commission to say, OK, there is support from the Parliament, there is support from the Council. Now it's up to us to transform this into concrete legislation and ambitious legislation. One other aspect that I wanted to mention is, of course, that in addition to providing information to consumers, the French Repairability Index is also a useful tool because it gathers a lot of data that can then be used to base policy on much more rigid analysis. Very often we see data gaps in policymaking and that I think this tool will help close that. Last but not least, of course, it's important to stress that while introducing an index and information aimed towards the consumer that empowers them to choose the best products and steers the market and let's say, rewards companies that innovate towards most durable, long-lasting and repairable products, Europe needs to step up its game and introduce minimum requirements so that we have both push and pull factors combined, that we ensure that there's minimum requirements for repairability and durability that set the basic level that is acceptable. While it seems like there is due scepticism about the reliability and ambitiousness of the index in its current state, Alderevas and Vesur both share an optimistic view that there is still progress being made at the heart of the legislation. There's definitely hope to be had that the French example provides a much-needed impetus, but also a learning opportunity. And as we know from also the experience of the generally very successful energy label, policy tools are rarely perfect at the start. So there's always some aspects that need to be improved as we go along. And I think the fact that we have this pioneering experience in France means that when and hopefully soon we introduce similar index in Europe, it can be robust. It can provide, let's say, granular information that differentiates between different products and that can address the different aspects that are perhaps not perfect at the moment. For sure, we would like that this index concern more products. For example, printers, we think that uh, there is big problem about durability and repairability on these products and it should be concerned by the index, but as well as a lot of other products. We would like also to extend this uh, label in Europe because, of course, we will have more impact in the single market. Also, I want to be careful that if the extension takes place in Europe, the ambition should be also very high, as well as French have done. Because if we have European level, but it's not mandatory or it's uh, less ambitious, I am afraid that it will not be enough. So we have to keep a very high ambition. The French Reparation Index is a very good progress, but it's not enough. I think we should go further and get the Lifetime Product Repair label. We should know if the product is able or not to fail before to be able to be repairable. So the repairable aspect for us is really important. But first, we need to know if they are more or less able to fail. And uh, this will happen in France in 2024. It's uh, right in the law. So we are uh, very excited about this. 
While it's a great first step to see that, especially for the right to repair movement, because informed consumers is one of our main pillar and this is one of our main demand. It's dangerous. Currently, the plan of the government to leave the industry to kind of self-grade itself without proper oversights, it's dangerous. And we are already seeing some manufacturers that have put out some grades for some of their products. They are quite high compared to the knowledge that we have of how repairable their products truly are. So it's, it's interesting to see that. But yeah, it's definitely a loophole that needs to be addressed in future version of the index. Listening to these perspectives on the French Repairability Index, it is clear that there are many issues that will arise over the coming months as the legislation becomes part of the French marketplace and French society. However, it is heartening to know that citizen organisations are ready to tackle these challenges and to keep manufacturers in check with whatever resources they have available to them. Ongoing pressure on the government will also be necessary in order to make sure that they and the companies that they are regulating are held to account. What is certain, though, is that this move will engage and inform the public. Set an example first to the rest of Europe and then to the whole of the world. And crucially, it will make repair more visible and help us all to move towards a more sustainable future. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at therestartproject.org. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications assistant, Holly, who did the research and planning for this episode. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.